What's up, guys, and welcome to the epic conclusion of the Spider-Man miniseries here on Cinematic Reviews. You can find this episode and the rest of Season 1 on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. As always, I will be your host, Chris, and today I'll be giving my thoughts on Tom Holland's MCU Spider-Man trilogy. But before I get into that, let's talk some facts. Spider-Man Homecoming was directed by John Watts, who is best known for directing Cop Car and Clown. Homecoming grossed over $880 million worldwide back in 2017, making it the third highest grossing Spider-Man movie. Donald Glover's character, Aaron Davis, mentions that he has a nephew living in the city. In the comics, Miles Morales is the nephew of Aaron Davis, a.k.a. the Prowler. Miles eventually becomes the second ultimate Spider-Man in that universe. Nick Fury was originally written as the mentor to Peter, but because of Tony being the one to recruit him in Captain America's Civil War, the writers felt it was best to build on that storyline instead. Watts intended for Homecoming to be a coming-of-age story, so he instructed the cast to have a John Hughes marathon as homework. The Homecoming subtitle has two meanings to it. The first is the obvious connection to the Homecoming dance at Peter's High School. The second is a reference to Spider-Man coming back home to Marvel after being solely under Sony's roof for the past five films. <clears throat> Jennifer Connelly voices Karen, the AI in Peter's suit. She is married to Paul Bettany, who voices Jarvis in Tony's suit. Tom Holland is the youngest actor to be casted as Spider-Man at the age of 19. Andrew Garfield was 26, and Tobey Maguire was 25. Peter is shown wearing boxer shorts when he puts on the suit in the alleyway, but in reality, Holland has said that he wore a thong underneath because the suit was so tight. Mark Hamill showed the interest in playing the vulture if Michael Keaton turned it down. Much of the film was shot in Atlanta, Georgia, which is where Marvel does most of their shooting now. Some scenes were shot in Germany and New York as well. Martin Starr plays one of Peter's teachers. He was previously in the Incredible Hulk movie starring Ed Norton. Spider-Man Far From Home was once again directed by John Watts and was the first Spider-Man movie to gross $1 billion worldwide. Far From Home and Avengers Endgame were filmed at the same time due to their release dates being months apart from each other. The cast was only given parts of the script involving their characters in order to avoid Endgame spoilers such as Iron Man's death. Jake Gyllenhaal and Tom Holland laughed so much during filming that it took them more than three times to nail each scene. One scene in particular took over 40 takes to get it right. Tom Holland had no idea J.K. Simmons was in the mid-carded scene. They actually have never met in person on set. Peter Parker's suit had suitcase had the initials BFP on it. This is a reference to Uncle Ben, who is a key part of Peter becoming Spider-Man in both the comics and films. Holland has called John Favreau one of the godfathers of the MCU. Happy Hogan is actually one of Holland's favorite characters because of how Favreau plays him. Far From Home takes place eight months after the events of Endgame, even though it was the first film to be released post-Endgame. Holland wanted Jason Momoa to play Kraven the Hunter in the movie, but writers left Mysterio in as the sole villain like the Vulture was in Homecoming. This is not Jake Gyllenhaal's first run-in with the Spider-Man franchise. He was originally going to replace Toby in Spider-Man 2 due to injuries. And finally, Spider-Man No Way Home was, you guessed it, directed by John Watts once again. This makes him the first director to helm an entire trilogy within the MCU by himself. No Way Home is the highest grossing Spider-Man movie with a box office of $1.8 billion worldwide. The first trailer became the most watched trailer. It received over 355 million views within the first 24 hours. At, the, at 148 minutes, 
This makes No Way Home the longest-running Spider-Man movie, beating out The Amazing Spider-Man 2 at 141 minutes. Since Holland just finished up filming Uncharted days before the filming of No Way Home started, the costume department wanted him to wear a wig. Holland put his foot down and refused to wear one. Wilhelm Dafoe would only agree to reprise his goblin role if he was allowed to perform the majority of his stunts. Benedict Cumberpatch refused to read the whole script in order to surprise himself with the final film. Alfred Molina was digitally de-aged in order to maintain the Doc Ock's age from Spider-Man 2. The tentacles were also created digitally instead of using puppetry. Holland improvised the hug with Toby and Andrew in their final scene together. Electro's lightning created a mask in front of his face that resembled the star-shaped mask the character wore in the comics. The leaked footage of Garfield on set was the Do You Ever Get a Web Block scene in which Holland and Maguire are talking about their webs with Garfield. Sandman turning back into Flint Marco at the end was reused footage from Spider-Man 3. And lastly, Garfield improvised the I Love You Guys line. There are a ton more facts on Holland's Spider-Man trilogy online and in interviews, but these are some of the highlights that stood out to me. So with that, let's jump into my thoughts on Spider-Man Homecoming. Homecoming is easily in my top five favorite superhero movies of all time. It occurs months after the events of Captain America's Civil War. Tom Holland was born to play Spider-Man. He belongs in the same category as Robert Downey Jr. and Hugh Jackman. His humor and charm make the beloved character come to life. No offense to Garfield or Toby, I love both their versions of Spider-Man, but Holland just brought something really special to the role. I wasn't a huge fan of Toby's Peter, and Garfield's was enjoyable to watch, but again, Holland gave us something really special with his lovable Peter Parker. Homecoming is not just a terrific superhero movie, but an incredible movie in general. Michael Keaton plays an awesome and compelling villain. We also get one of the best, if not the best, twists in movie history involving the Vulture. All the side characters are awesome as well. Marissa Tomei plays a lovable, and might I say, sexy Aunt May, which they play around with throughout the movie, and it's great. It was a smart choice going with the younger Aunt May, because this is the youngest Peter we've gotten on screen. Zendaya is also always a joy to watch, and her role as Michelle, aka MJ, is no disappointment. Jacob Batalon's Ned steals a lot of the scenes, especially after he finds out about Peter being Spider-Man. The montage of him asking questions about Peter's powers was perfect. Homecoming also has incredible cameos with Robert Downey's Iron Man, John Favreau's Happy Hogan, and even Chris Evans' Captain America. I guess now that I think of it, Tony and Happy could be considered supporting cast and not just cameos. They play pretty big roles in Peter's journey, especially Tony. The writers use him as the Uncle Ben figure since we're assuming that Ben Parker is already dead in the MCU. We've seen Uncle Ben die twice now, so choosing to have him gone was smart. It gave the audience a fresh new take on the Spider-Man franchise. It was also really smart not showing how Peter got his powers and just used a couple lines of dialogue between him and Ned instead. So the movie opens up in 2012 with Keaton, who plays Adrian Toomes, a.k.a. The Vulture. He and his crew are cleaning up after the Battle of New York. The, damage, the Department of Damage Control, who we find out is run by Tony Stark, comes in and raids on his parade. This is where we get one of the best lines in the movie. One of the agents had the balls to talk shit to Keaton about overextending himself. Keaton repeats it, saying, I overextended myself. It punches the agent in the face. Then we jump ahead a couple, a few years and get this awesome home movie that Peter made during his trip to Germany while fighting Cap and the gang. It fits the character perfectly, especially this version of Peter. Holland plays more of a younger, charismatic Peter than Garfield and Toby did. That is exactly what a teenager would do. We then get a montage of Peter helping people out and leaving happy, annoying messages with updates. Their relationship is great, and it's really cool to see how it evolves throughout the trilogy. 
During the mon- montage, we get Stan Lee's cameo. We miss you, Stan. We then get my favorite shot of any Spider-Man movie at the end of the montage. Peter is sitting on the fire escape while eating a churro with his mask partially up. It's so awesome and very comic booky. After that is when Ned finds out that he's Spider-Man, and we get the montage of questions that is perfectly written and shot. Eventually, Peter runs into Keaton's crew, who is working with Donald Glover's character, Aaron Davis. It's great to know that Aaron is in the MCU because it confirms that Miles is also in the in the universe. Peter also has his first run-in with the Vulture. It was a scary moment seeing Peter drowning in the lake, but audience gets a sigh of relief when Iron Man shows up. We get a great speech from Tony telling Peter to stay out of trouble, but Peter, being Peter, immediately disobeys Tony and ends up getting stuck inside one of the damage controls vaults while fighting Vulture again. We get this fun scene of Peter talking with Suit Lady, or Karen, as he calls her for the rest of the movie. Once realizing the power core that him and Ned found will explode, he runs to the Washington Monument to save his friends and his crush Liz. Him saving her is very reminiscent to to, uh, Garfield's trying to save Gwen in the clock tower. Except in Amazing Spider-Man 2, as we know, it ends in, in tragedy with the death of Gwen. A few days later, we get the fairy scene where Peter confronts the vulture once again and fails. We get a shot of Holland holding together the fairy with webs, which is a nod to Toby's Spider-Man trying to stop the train in Spider-Man 2. Tony has to come in to help Peter once again to save everyone and takes the Spider-Man suit back in order to teach Peter a lesson. This is where we get the great iconic line from Tony. If you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have it. Peter returns to school life and asks Liz to the homecoming dance. On the night of the dance is where we get the best twist in movie in, the, in a movie ever. It is revealed that Keaton is Liz's dad. I still remember hearing the entire theater gasp in shock when it happened. We get some incredible acting from Holland once he sees Keaton open the door. Keaton then offers to drive them to the dance, and we get another incredible scene. Keaton threatens to kill everyone that Peter loves if he doesn't back off. Peter agrees, but purposely leaves his phone in Keaton's car. Peter then recruits Ned to be his guy in the chair and rushes to stop Vulture while wearing his homemade suit that he had stashed underneath the school lockers. He runs into Keaton before the big heist, and we get yet another incredible scene. The Vulture's wings bring the roof down on top of Peter, and he gets stuck underneath it all. It's so gut-wrenching hearing Tolan's voice cry out for help. We've never seen this done in a Spider-Man movie before. Peter sees a reflection of the Spider-Man mask in the water and shouts out, Come on, Spider-Man. Come on, Spider-Man. Another fun fact, this was actually what John Berthal yelled at Holland when they worked out together. For those that don't remember, Berthal played the Punisher in the Netflix Marvel shows. After finally getting the strength to break out of the wreckage, we get to the final fight. First in the air on top of the Stark airplane, and then ending on Coney Island after they crashed. They They fight some more, and it's perfectly choreographed. The stunt team did a great job at utilizing the Vulture's wings in all the fights. The fight ends with Peter saving Keaton after his wings explode from the damage they took. This was a great choice because Marvel tends to kill off really great villains after their first appearance. He leaves Keaton tied up and with a note, which is very Spider-Man-like. The movie ends in probably one of the best ways ever. Tony gives Peter back the suit after a job well done, and he puts it on while May watches him behind. The credits hit in the middle of her yelling, what the fuck? The perfect ending to a perfect movie. Homecoming is one of my favorite superhero movies ever. Tom Holland plays an excellent Spider-Man and Peter Parker. Keaton is an incredible villain, and I'm excited to see what they do with the character after watching the mid credit scene. All the cameos and side characters were perfect. It's an incredible movie, uh, first movie of an awesome trilogy. This is a really fun movie for the whole family, and I highly recommend everyone to watch it at least once. 
Now, let's jump over to my thoughts on Spider-Man Far From Home. Far From Home is another excellent chapter in both the MCU and Spider-Man franchise. It occurs eight months after the events of Avengers Endgame. Tom Holland continues to cement himself as the best version of Spider-Man. He does an incredible job at playing Peter, who is uncertain of himself after losing his mentor, Tony Stark. He is overwhelmed by the weight on his shoulders that the world is putting on him. It's a lot to put on a kid, but I understand that the world is lost without Iron Man. This is where Jake Gyllenhaal's Quentin Beck, a.k.a. Mysterio, finds his in with Peter so that he can manipulate him. Writers did a really great job with the Mysterio character, and Gyllenhaal acts his heart out. Marissa Tomei and John Favreau reprise their roles as of Aunt May and Happy Hogan. They again do an incredible job with those characters, and now that May knows about Peter being Spider-Man, she's even more supporting of him. She even named his Spider-Sense the Peter Tingle. Jacob Batalon and Zendaya also return as Ned and MJ. They get to do a lot more this time around because by the end of the movie, they both know Peter's secret. Sam Jackson and Kobe Smulders reprise their Nick Fury and Maria Hill role, which we really only see in the Avengers and Captain America movies. It's great to see their characters branch out to other parts of the universes like Spider-Man, especially with the highly anticipated Secret Invasion series coming soon. Far From Home continues to build on this coming-of-age story that was set up in Homecoming. John Watts does an awesome job at making this like a complete trilogy, even though there are big events happening around each movie. It's the weakest of the trilogy, but Far From Home is still an incredible movie. So the movie opens up with Nick Fury and Maria Hill in, in Mexico. They come across Joan Hall's Mysterio fighting a supernatural storm. Mysterio shouts out, you don't want any part of this. And we immediately switch over to the opening credits. Through the credits, we get Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You playing. We find out that it's part of an Avengers slideshow to honor Black Widow, Tony, and Vision that Peter Skull puts together. This is such an awesome thing to include in the movie, and I honestly wish that the movie opened up with this instead of the Mysterio scene in Mexico. That whole Mexico scene should have been cut out completely. Peter and his friends are unaged thanks to the snap, or the blip, as they now call it, thanks to this movie. Peter's school puts together a field trip to Europe, and Peter's excited to go after the events of Endgame, and while still mourning Tony's death. He also plans to reveal his feelings to MJ on the trip. When I first saw this opening weekend, I was sort of cut off, because uh, at the end of Homecoming, it didn't really seem like Peter was, in, was into him, MJ a whole lot. He was still dealing with the whole Liz situation. But then I realized it's high school. Kids are always jumping from person to person, so it doesn't bother me as much now. Before leaving for Europe, Peter supports May at Feast as Spider-Man. This is where we get the first hint that there's something going on between Happy and May. Peter's confused, but is immediately distracted with Nick Fury calling him. This is where the running gag of Peter ghosting Fury starts, and it's great. The first stop on Peter's vacation is Venice, Italy. This is where Peter fights his first elemental, which is made of water. Mysterio shows up to protect everyone with Peter struggling to help out. The design of Mysterio and the green smoke powers are incredible. We get a great community bit of uh, Peter struggling to hold up a building with his, webs, with his webs. Mysterio defeats the creature and disappears, leaving Peter with questions. Fury shows up and answers all those questions immediately. We get another community bit of Fury in Peter's room with a trank gun and, sh and he shoots Ned. While trying to recruit Peter, people keep knocking on his door and it irritates Fury. So they head over to Fury's base for Peter to meet Quentin Beck, a.k.a. Mysterio. He gives this elaborate story about being from another universe. We start to see this bond grow between Beck and Peter, which we know will bite Peter in the ass later on. Fury once again tries to recruit Peter for his, this mission, but Peter says no because he wants to enjoy his vacation. Fury says okay, but 
ends up hijacking Peter's vacation anyways. Instead of going to Paris, Peter and his friends go to Prague, thanks to Fury. On the bus ride, we get some great scenes with Peter trying out Tony's glasses that Fury gave him. Here, we're introduced to Edith, or even dead, I'm the hero. Peter almost blows up the bus in an attempt to foil Brad's plans to hook up with MJ. This was a nice touch because it definitely was something a kid Peter's age would do. Once in Prague, Peter is once again recruited by Fury. But this time, Peter agrees because he trusts Beck. Beck and Peter fight the, the next elemental that was made is made of fire. We get some really awesome fight scenes before Beck sacrifices himself to de defeat the elemental. We also get introduced to Night Monkey, which was a really fun way to play around with the Spider-Man character outside of New York. Beck ends up surviving and treats Peter to a drink after another win. This is where we get another awesome twist in the MCU. Peter hands over to Edith to Beck so that he can enjoy the rest of his vacation. Once Peter leaves, the room starts to turn and is revealed that Mysterio is responsible for everything. His goal was to get Edith so that he can maximize the power of his solutions. Mysterio is not alone, though. It turns out that everyone on Mysterio's team are former Stark employees. Even the scientist from the first Iron Man movie that Obadiah Stane yells at shows up. Mysterio is using Tony's projection technology that we saw in a Captain America Civil War in order to foil, fool the world that he is a hero. It was an awesome idea connecting parts of the MCU to the Spider-Man stories. I know a lot of fans hate the fact that so much of Spider-Man is connected to Tony, but to me, it works. Tony was a father figure to Peter, so it's only fitting that we connect the Iron Man movies to the Spider-Man ones. Once Peter returns to the hotel, MJ reveals that, to him that she knows that he is Spider-Man. She came across a piece of the Edith drones during the fire elemental fight and shows it to Peter. Peter realizes what Mysterio is doing and heads to Fury. We travel to Berlin, and this is where we get uh, probably the top five sequence in the MCU. Fury turns out to be Mysterio, and he uses the projections to mess with Peter's head. It's an incredible sequence with MJ in trouble that reminded me of the Kirsten Dunst on top of the bridge scene in Toby's Spider-Man, to Zombie Iron Man, which was a nod to the Marvel Zombie comics, to it ending with Peter getting hit by a train. After waking up in an extreme amount of pain, Peter calls Happy for help. Happy picks him up, and we get this awesome scene between the two. John Favreau acts his heart out in this scene. He gives a touching speech about how Peter isn't Tony, because really, Tony wasn't even Tony. Happy opens the back of the plane so that Peter can use the Stark machine to create a new suit. Happy's face when seeing Peter use the machine like Tony did says it all. The audience has a smile on their face right along with Happy. They travel to London to fight Mysterio one last time. We get some more awesome action scenes. We get some more awesome action scenes with Spider-Man fighting the drones along with Happy helping out Peter's friends stay safe. In the vault, we get a great comedic line from Happy. He yells, how does Cap do that when throwing a shield at the drone? Such an incredible line performed by Favreau. Once Peter destroys all the drones, he's able to reach Mysterio on the bridge. We get an awesome scene of Peter using his Peter Tingle to take down the remaining drones that are protecting Mysterio. And we get one last trick by Mysterio, but Peter doesn't fall for it this time. Mysterio dies from the gunshot room wound that he took from the drones. After another job we, well done, Peter and his friends head back to New York. MJ and Peter kick start their relationship with a, with a cute swinging around New York date. This leads into the mid-credits scene, which is my personal favorite out of the entire MCU. J.K. Simmons returns as his iconic J. Jonah Jameson role to play a video created by Mysterio. 
The video shows Peter as the villain and reveals that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. The scene ends with Peter yelling, what the fuck, just like May did at the end of Homecoming. This last scene was perfect. I will never forget the first reaction of seeing it in the theaters opening weekend. Far From Home may be the weakest of the trilogy, but it's still one of my favorite superhero movies of all time. Tom Holland is incredible once again, and I'm excited to see what the future brings for him. Joan Hall is also incredible, and it's a little disappointing that they killed him off. Or did they? I suppose there's always a possibility that the writers could work around that, especially with the illusion tech that they uh, built on in this movie. Happy stands out a lot in this movie, and it's great because I love the character. This is the best trilogy in the MCU, in my opinion, so bravo to John Watts and everybody involved with it. Now, let's jump to the epic conclusion of Holland's trilogy with Spider-Man No Way Home. No Way Home is an incredible superhero movie and a fitting end to the Holland trilogy. I've seen it five total times now, three times in theater and twice since it's been out on digital stores. It's the most times that I've watched a movie in such a short period of time since The Dark Knight Rises. It is now my favorite movie of all time. This is Tom Holland's best performance so far in his entire acting career. No Way Home is a constant roller coaster of emotions. At one scene, you could be smiling, and in the very next one, you could be crying your eyes out. There is a ton of fan service throughout, but what's special about this movie is that the fan service is brilliantly written into the script. All the villains from the previous Spider Man movies appear on screen for the right amount of time, and they have incredible character arcs. Certain ones stand out the most, like Alfred Molina's Doc Ock and Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin especially Green Goblin. Willem Dafoe is, an, is incredible in this movie. I love the fight scene between him and Peter in the hallway, and knowing that he did most of the stunts himself makes it even more incredible to watch. John Favreau and Marissa Tomei shine once again as Happy and Aunt May. Zendaya and Jacob Adelon get even bigger roles in this movie, which is awesome because I love their characters. We also get Doctor Strange as a supporting character, and Benedict Cumberbatch is terrific. It's, great to, it's a great way to build hype for his movie in the Multiverse of Madness. I love his relationship with Peter, and I hope he takes over the mentor role left vacant by the death of Tony. No Way Home opens up immediately where Far From Home left fans, which was an awesome choice. It made it feel like a complete trilogy and allowed fans to jump right back into the storyline, especially with that awesome cliffhanger in Far From Home. Mysterio frames Peter for his murder, but also reveals that Peter is Spider-Man. New York starts to turn on Peter, so he takes MJ away from the angry mob. We get this fun scene of Peter swinging through New York while MJ holds on to him. The Department of Damage Control shows up and takes Peter into custody. I love how MJ and Aunt May come in and both yell out to Peter, don't say anything without a lawyer. Damage Control clearly didn't have any solid proof, so they had to let everyone go. On the topic of lawyers, we get the movie's first big reveal. Charlie Cox, who plays Daredevil in the Netflix show, shows up as Matt Murdock, and gets all the charges against Peter Drop. This blew my mind when I first saw it, but unfortunately, not a lot of people in my theater were blown away by it. Once the charges are dropped, Peter and his friends are able to focus on their college admissions, but due to the negative publicity of Peter being revealed as Spider-Man, they are unable to get accepted anywhere. This forces Peter to contact Doctor Strange in order to fix everything for his friends. I love the relationship that builds between Peter and Strange throughout the movie. Strange comes up with the perfect spell to make the world forget that Peter is Spider-Man, even Strange himself. This puts Peter in panic mode and causes the spell to become unstable. Strange becomes very irritated with Peter, but, as to remind him, but he has to remind himself that Peter is still just a kid. This builds on the whole coming-of-age theme that Watts started back in Homecoming. 
After the spell was a bust, Peter tries to convince an MIT administrator to reconsider MJ and Ed. This is where we get another incredible big reveal. Alpha Molina's Doc Ock from Spider-Man 2 shows up on the bridge and immediately fights Peter. But with a twist. Doc Ock thinks this Peter is Tobey Maguire's Peter. Once he realizes that this is not his Peter, none other than Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin shows up tossing a pumpkin ball onto the bridge. We've had three huge character reveals happen already, and the writers did it brilliantly. This is fan service done right. But it doesn't stop there. Strange teleports Peter and Doc Ock back to the Sanctum, where Kirk Connors from Andrew Garfield's universe shows up. It's just incredible. Strange explains to Peter that the corrupted spell summoned people from other universes who know Spider-Man's identity. He tasks Peter and his friends to round the rest of them up like the Scooby-Doo gang. Next, they come across Jamie Foxx's Electro from the Amazing Spider-Man 2 movie and Sandman from the Raven universe. Like what? That's six huge character reveals already. This movie is relentless. The only plot hole that stands out to me, though, is that Electro doesn't actually know who Spider-Man is. But it's easy for the audience to move past that because they're filled with all these emotions from just seeing the character back on screen. After a fun fight, Peter sends Sandman and Electro back to the Sanctum with the others. This leaves only Green Goblin left to find. Norman Osborn takes back control of his body and goes to feast. May comforts him and contacts Peter so that he can help him. Back at the Sanctum, Norman, Otto, and Max reveal that they were brought into Peter's universe moments before their deaths. This gives Peter an idea. Just before Strange could use the spell to send them back, Peter argues with Strange about saving them from death. Strange won't hear of it, so Peter steals the spell. This was an incredible character moment for Peter. This is his first big step in becoming the hero that he was meant to be, and Holland plays it incredibly well. Strange then traps Peter in the mirror dimension. We get This is where we get this visually awesome fight scene between Peter and Strange. Peter is able to defeat Strange and escapes the mirror dimension by using math. May and Peter take the group of villains to Happy's apartment to cure them. He's able to cure Doc Ock first, and we get this incredibly acted scene by Melina as he turns back into the loving Otto that we remember back from Spider-Man 2. But before Peter could cure the rest, Peter's tingle reveals that Norman isn't Norman anymore. The Goblin convinces the villains to turn against Peter. This is where we get one of my favorite fight scenes in the whole movie. Peter and Goblin beat the shit out of each other through the apartment building. We even get a moment where Goblin smashes Peter so hard into the floor that they crash through numerous levels of the building. This entire fight was choreographed so well. Once in the lobby, Goblin tosses the Goblin Bomb after hitting May with his glider. Peter fumbles it, causing a massive explosion to occur. At first, May seems to be alright, but the audience's hope for her disappears as May falls to the ground covered in blood. This is a gut-wrenching moment for not only fans, but for general moviegoers as well. Tomei and Holland act our hearts out in this scene. Before May dies, she says the iconic line, with great power comes great responsibility. Happy shows up, and this is where I break. Him seeing May's dead body on the ground and immediately yelling at Peter to run as he's getting arrested just kills me. Favreau is incredible in this short scene of him. Peter disappears before the cops could get to him. So next, we get my favorite shot in any Spider-Man movie ever. Peter, while holding his mask, stands on the rooftop looking up at J. Jonah Jameson on a giant screen, blaming Spider-Man for everything. All the brilliant lights and the rain pouring down makes this shot even more incredible. Ned discovers that he can summon portals, so MJ tells him to find Peter. With his first attempt, Ned opens up a portal to reveal someone in the Spider-Man suit. But this isn't Holland's Peter. 
He takes off his mask, and it is revealed to be the man himself, Andrew Garfield. He was pulled into the universe at the same time as the villains. We get a fun comedic bit of Garfield trying to convince MJ that he is Spider-Man from another universe. Ned then tries once again to find an, to find their Peter. Another portal opens up behind him, and to the audience's amazement, it's not Holland's Peter either. Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker walks through the portal. We get a quick web fight between him and Garfield, but they soon realize that they're on the same side. Garfield and Toby decide to find Holland together. Then they find him on top of the high school building mourning the loss of May. We get yet another incredibly active scene from Holland, as well as Toby and Garfield, who try to convince Holland to keep going. The audience gets a lot of updates from Garfield's and Toby's Peters, especially with Garfield's, who is just incredible every time he's on screen. He talks about how he got bitter after losing Gwen, and it's heartbreaking for fans. Toby and Garfield tell that Uncle tell Holland that Uncle Ben said the exact same line before they died, which gives Holland the kick he needed to finish his mission that May started him on. The three Peters head to the lab to cook up cures for each villain, and again, it's just incredible seeing all three on screen together. We get a lot more of Garfield and Toby not just educating Holland and his friends about their universe but also updating the audience of what has happened since their movies. My mind gets blown every time I watch it. It's getting blown right now just talking about it to you guys. Once they're ready to cure some ass, the three Peters head to the Statue of Liberty to confront all the villains. For the next 20 to 30 minutes, we get this incredibly choreographed and active fight scene on top of the Statue of Liberty. It's filled with cracking backs, comparing villains, and even some web talk. One by one, the three Peters cure everyone, starting with Connors, then Sandman. Otto arrives late to the party and cures Electro, who showed up wearing the arc reactor that he stole from Tony's machine. After Ned frees Strange from the mirror dimension, Goblin shows up and unleashes the spell by blowing it up with a pumpkin bomb. The explosion causes the place to tear apart and forces MJ to fall. Holland jumps to catch her, but the Goblin stops him. This forces Garfield to act and to catch her. Once on the ground, we get this incredible moment of Garfield remembering Gwen's death. He asks MJ if she's okay, and she in return asks him. He nods without saying anything. This is such a powerful scene for fans, and Garfield is phenomenal in it. The multiverse begins to crack open, so Strange acts quickly to try and stop it. Next, we get this incredible scene of Holland beating the shit out of Goblin. He slowly picks up his glider in order to kill Goblin for taking May from him. Toby jumps in the middle to catch the glider before Peter could cross that line. Garfield tosses the cure to Holland, who then decides to save Norman after watching Toby get stabbed. Holland joins Strange in trying to stop more people from coming through, but he realizes there is only one option left. Strange must cast a new spell to make the world forget that Peter Parker ever existed. Strange immediately says no, but Holland convinces him to do it. Strange tells Peter to say his goodbyes as he begins to cast a new spell. Holland first says goodbye to Toby and Garfield. This is a heartwarming scene for both Holland and the audience. Holland then says his goodbyes to MJ and Ned, which is just another gut-wrenching moment. Before he leaves, Holland promises to find them and make them remember him. Everyone goes back to the universes, and the world forgets who Peter Parker is. This next scene in the coffee shop is bittersweet. It's heartbreaking, yet satisfying to see Holland decide not to make MJ and Ned remember in order to protect them. Peter moves into his own apartment, and we get the final scene of the movie. Peter puts on his new suit and swings around New York as a nod to the Raimi movies. No Way Home is an incredibly written and acted movie. There is so much fan service sprinkled throughout that makes it even more incredible. The post credit scene with Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock leaving behind a piece of Venom gives fans hope for the future. 
But with the ending that the writers chose to go with, I would be very satisfied if this was to be Holland's last movie as Spider-Man. It has been confirmed that we will get another three movies under Marvel, but you never know. There are recent rumors of Holland taking a break, so it may be a while before we see Holland suit up again. I highly recommend this movie to not just diehard Spider-Man fans, but general moviegoers as well. My mom isn't a huge superhero movie fan, but she absolutely loved this movie. Bravo to Watts, Holland, and the rest of the crew for giving us a movie experience that we will never forget. To end the episode, let's jump over to my rankings. So I would definitely put No Way Home at the top of my Spider-Man universe list with Homecoming at number two and Far From Home at number four behind Into the Spider-Verse. I love Far From Home, but Into the Spider-Verse was overall more fun to watch with the animated style they chose for it. Now, since these are MCU movies as well, I'll switch gears to my MCU ranking. No Way Home takes the number one spot on this list also. It is honestly my new favorite movie of all time. Homecoming comes in at number four behind Infinity War and Endgame. Those two Avenger movies are insanely good and are big event movies that not many movies can beat. Far From Home comes in at number seven behind Captain America The Winter Soldier at number five and Captain America Civil War at number six. Again, I love Far From Home and Tom Holland's Spider-Man, but those two Captain America movies are incredibly written and have insane action scenes. You can find the rest of these two lists and all my other lists on Letterboxd under Cinematic Reviews. Well, that concludes the Spider-Man miniseries. Join me next Friday for the finale of season one. I'll be giving my thoughts on Fox's Deadpool films starring Ryan Reynolds. Also, always join me for new release Monday.